morning. What do you mean? Do you wish me a good morning? Or mean that it is a good morning whether I want it to be or not? Or that you feel this morning, or that it is a morning to be good on? Hold on, start from the top. Alright. Good morning! What do you mean? Do you wish me a good morning, or mean that it is a morning... Ah, sorry. Do it again. That's okay. Take three. <laughs> I might keep all of this. Uh, <laughs> good morning! What do you mean? Do you wish me a good morning, or mean that it is a good morning whether I want it to be or not? Or that you feel good this morning, or that is a morning to be good on? Uh, all of them at once. Third time's a charm, baby. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Podcast of the Rings. I don't know if Jessica can keep in those, those outtakes. I think you have I mean, to now. I have to. I mean, to. what outtakes? We nailed it on the first try. <laughs> We're Aaron Sorkin. Let's go. <laughs> Professionals. Man, one of my favorite movies is Steve Jobs. And so just like, and I, you know, I love The West Wing. I love Social Network. I just like, I know Aaron Sorkin has like, everybody is the smartest person in the room and everybody can, you know, cite the exact right quote and verse and whatever when they need to argue. But I don't care. It's it's fiction. It's, it's TV. It's movie. So I'm willing to accept it. But now I know like... I give those actors a lot more credit now because I couldn't, you know, do that one thing, <laughs> that one line in like less than three takes, let alone, you know, a whole uh, long five minute one take walk and talk. Now, I do not know you to be someone who fumbles their wor words as much as I do. Lately, I actually cannot find like specific words like for the blinds i called the blinds shields uh, a month ago <laughs> so I, i'm like actually scared. raise the shield <laughs> exactly i was trying to tell alex um the shields can you <laughs> i i wasn't i'm not doing well let's put it that way but i don't know that you to be someone who struggles on that level and i i think we can allow you being a little under the weather to be a good excuse Yes, I, I do apologize to our listeners that I'm a little gravelly, a little stuffy, and if I mute, it's because I'm either coughing or blowing my nose, because I am down with a cold, but I refuse to make you guys wait another week uh, for another juicy, wizard-filled episode. <laughs> your, your, your voice is juicy, and I refuse to edit any of that, so I'm not. it's all going to be raw. Perfect. <laughs> no, Love we'll see it. what happens. If it gets particularly bad, we'll deal with it. But I wonder, maybe it's a good, it's like a omen that you're gravelly and uh, i don't know does gandalf make people sick everyone's afraid he's gonna turn them into a frog or something maybe gandalf put a frog in your throat uh don't let him turn me into something unnatural <laughs> <laughs> exactly well that is exactly it we're talking about Gandaddy gandalf today uh per my request yeah, it, it was it was time for sure. And I've definitely, you know, uh, you even brought it up, like how I pronounce some names and stuff. I definitely pronounce G Gandalf, G Gandalf, like Gandalf. I, I yeah, like I remember I think I was on like a different show and I said that and everyone was like, wait, what are you saying? I was like, I, I don't know, Gandalf. Like, I do think Gandalf? it's you. And it but it's I but it's something that's like endearing rather than it's like this guy really actually hasn't read the books. It's, I think I really love the onset of the um, not word shaming people. Like there's still people that do it uh, to, to paint this picture properly. I'm sure we've all been made fun of in high school or middle, middle school for not knowing that one band or that one song or seeing that one movie. Like, Oh my God, you haven't seen dazed and confused. Like, bro, it just 
hasn't happened, but as a kid, you nothing is more mortifying than that. Yeah. Like to the point where I had to like stop profusely lying that I had seen something because I was afraid of the social humiliation. And so that's kind of curtailed, especially as we've aged. At least that's my experience. But also that same era, the kid that just learned that one vocabulary word that you're pronouncing incorrectly will do nothing, will be relentless in rubbing that in your face. And I feel like we started to like with the onset of the internet, people start going like, no, that means that person actually read it and maybe just didn't hear it out loud. Yeah. Jerk. <laughs> big, big jerk. You big jerky pie. It's just, it's just like, that's a, it's own, like we didn't need the internet to experience gatekeeping and that's just, it's, but like people love feeling like they figured out something before someone else did. So that's a very long way to say that's how you learned and loved to say Gandalf. Did you have any, family that was like a lord of the rings freak or did you just find it all oh no it was just me really i can't like i do i feel like i'm sure my mom like bought me the first well i definitely read the hobbit like if the hobbit was like a school read um like you know one of those scholastic book fairs where like a librarian recommended it to me you know the, the hobbit it's like it's so funny like how different they are mm -hmm. as like books where the Hobbit is so light and breezy and welcoming, and the like, Lord of the Rings is a dense, like, dense read. And so I feel like I, I know I read the Hobbit first, and then I think, like, I think I just saw the book, and it was like from the uh, author of the Hobbit in Middle Earth, and I was like, oh, okay. And I read it, and then just picked up the the second and the third, and I think by the time I'd read it. You know that the movies came out in two thousand one, so I think like the it, the cover said soon to be a motion picture. Ah, uh, like I, I had the I had the paperbacks that said that, and then uh, later on, like with my own money, uh, I bought like you know the nice hardbacks and stuff like that that are in my living room right now. But I still have those original paperbacks, which I'm sure um, a lot of people have. Like the Fellowship is like aqua blue, Two Towers is red, and like Return of the King is like white. Um, and so like anytime I see those movies, like I relate those colors to them and I love it. I love them so oh, much. Oh, that's, that is actually, I love that kind of sensory marriage, right? Where you're like, oh, I, I, I actually always will think of the letter A as red because at my elementary school, the sign was like, A is for apple, B is for boy. And so like a red apple will always be directly associated to the word, the, the letter A. There's like some sort of synesthesia in that somewhere too. Oh, for sure. I, I, I love that kind of stuff. And like, it, it's so comforting in such a strange, inexplicable way of like, oh, your mind like associates this thing with this. And it just, it just feels good. So did you end up finding friends that also liked Lord of the Rings or were you like silently in love with it or was it like weird to like it? What was it? Like... It was still, and that's the weird, I mean, to a certain extent, I understand why nerds now are like not protective in a gatekeeping way, but just like, yeah, I've liked this stuff for forever. And you guys made fun of me for it because people my age, like I like in a way I'm in one way I am. Thank God every day that social media barely existed. I think we had MySpace in high school and then I got Facebook when it was still college only, you know, just to date oh. myself real quick. Um, <laughs> well, don't worry. Gen Z is not listening to us. Yeah, exactly. 
But uh, my sister, uh, she went to UCSB and she had the Facebook. Like that's how oh, wow. uh, that's how dated uh, we both are in, in my family. Um, but um, so I, I understand it in that way. But also it's just like I remember when Fellowship came out and we were at my friends for like a Christmas thing, like a, a present exchange. And I was like, oh, you know, we were going to see it. Our big thing was um, Christmas Eve movies. And so I was waiting and it come out, you know, either the on my birthday on the 14th or the 17th or something. So I had to wait an extra week and my friend had seen it. And I was like, oh, so how was he? he's like, oh, so good. The Battle of the Five Armies like starts the movie off. I was like, the Battle of the Five Armies starts the movie off. That's from The Hobbit. He's like, no, it's it's the Battle of the F I was like, I don't. I don't think it oh is. Oh my gosh. And so like I already felt like I didn't want to be that kid, but I already was like without even meaning to be. I was just like I don't think that's the Battle of the Five Armies. Oh man. And then when I saw it like I confirmed it and uh, like I didn't like you know call him up and be like yeah that wasn't but I was just like <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things where like you don't want to sound too nerdy. <laughs> Yeah. But you're just like, no, that's that's not the Battle of the Five Armies. Like the that's the Battle of the Last Alliance. But you know, no big oh, I'm glad you like the movie. Yay! <laughs> I have a friend, sort of. Yeah, I... and so, and so it's like the movie is so universally beloved that, you know, people would like start talking to me about it and then like be like, Oh, what, what like my my dad was always the best of like, oh, what does that mean? Even when like, you know, Force Awakens came out, um, I had to wait to see that because uh, his office like rented out an entire theater. So like all of his coworkers oh, wow. were like uh, all of his coworkers like, oh, so what does that mean? And my dad was just like, ask Ben. He knows all this stuff. And so like so my dad's always been like very like uh, like uh, he loves that I'm a big nerd. <laughs> oh, that's so, so charming. Yeah, I yeah. think I fell in love with that stuff because of my dad, um, which uh, I don't think that that's Alex's drop in either. Like, I think it more impresses me with someone like yourself who's like, I'm interested in this and I'm going to figure it out. Even if like, cause I would like listen to music because the dude that I had a crush on listened to it and stuff like that, which there's no wrong way to find something that you love. But like my dad has a really high tolerance a low tolerance for bad music, at least in his mind. And I'll show him something that like I discovered or I really like, and he'd like, he rips it apart, man, immediately. So to have a supportive dad is like, my kid's a dork. Awesome. <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah, it, it was, it was definitely made it easier when like a lot of my friends, like, and not like in a bad way, they just weren't like into that kind of stuff. Cause like I played sports in high school. Like I was right. a letterman in varsity and all that stuff. So it wasn't like I was being picked on for it, but just like I remember walking into, I went over to my friend's house and his brother-in-law or stepbrother, I never remember which is the correct term. Um, I think stepbrother. Stepbrother, like if it's the married. If it's, yeah, stepbrother. Yeah. Him and his friends, which I knew all of them, were like playing either magic or um, what's the other one? Uh, it's the, the show. Um, someone's going to correct me in the comments, but... Um, like they were playing and they're like, what are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm here to see my friend, but what's up, guys? What are you guys playing? And they're like, why do you want to know? I was like, I don't know. This seems interesting. <laughs> like, so that was like the first time I got introduced to magic. Uh, That's and amazing. so it's just like, I don't know. I, I think I, I had a very different high school experience because like no one, I'm sure people were bullied, but it wasn't because of like their like, oh, you you don't play sports like 
none of the football players were like bullies or anything like that. Like we had football players, a guy that got drafted into was a first round draft pick in the MLB was a lead in our musical. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, we had a very weird high school. That it sounds like clicky, but in a different way. Like, except, yeah, yeah, that's like they were still like popular kids, but it wasn't like you know, like what you see like on you know Glee or anything like that. <laughs> right. I mean, you're, you're gonna. I think it's more like, do the kids that everyone likes like like me or not? You know, and I I do think there's less stark contrast between. Like, my brother was a jock and a, an artist, and the only person that didn't accept him was my was my dad. <laughs> so, that's, I mean, real fun dad stories for me today. So, well, let me ask you, as you're reading, since you dropped in without, like, a guidepost, what was your initial impression of Gandalf? Like, did the movie Gandalf fulfill the Gandalf that you envisioned, or... Was like the animated version of him different? Like, what? Where is your Gandalf land or Gandalf? Gandalf. Um, definitely for a long time it was the animated movie, the animated Hobbit movie, like the old crotchety wizard that was like. He was warm, but he was super intimidating, and I think Fellowship captured that really well. You know, especially when you know he comes uh, into the Shire. Uh, and like, you know, when he does his Bilbo Baggins, I'm not trying to do not take me for uh. a conjure of cheap tricks like that. I was like, OK, now I, that's showing who he truly is. We're like, he does put like on this this mask when he goes into the Shire. Now, he never gets into like his true crotchety like, yes, he tells Pippin to throw himself into a well, but he really just he really just directs all of his crotchetiness towards one poor hobbit rather than anybody else in the fellowship, which I find kind of hilarious, honestly. It does work. It works. It really does work. Because especially because even in the book, and we talked about this when we did our episode on Pippin and Mary, Pippin's making all the mistakes <laughs> in general. He really is. It, I, yeah. And there's some gray area as to how mischievous it is or just like inexperience, you know? Um, anyway, sweet. So I'm so glad you mentioned the Hobbit that, or no, the animated series is the one or the Hobbit Yeah, the one. animated Hobbit movie. So the animated Hobbit movie where you pointed out how he just literally flicks at, is that one when he flicks at Sam or which one is it where he just like gets pissed at Sam for no oh, that, reason? Yeah, the, I see. I hadn't seen the animated Lord of the Rings movie till recently. Like the And the that's what that's from, yeah. right? Ugh. That's. I don't know that Alex and I, I've watched that yet. I don't remember if we did watched it and talked about it. Um, I just, I'm losing the thread as to when Alex just gave up on us. Um, the, that flick at Sam that you shared with me is so mean. It's so mean. It's <laughs> For so no mean. Reason. And so that's right. It is the animated Lord of the Rings where he, like he turns away and they turns back just to scare Sam. Yeah. And then turns around again. And this, that's interesting though, the more, so like I actually, Alex and I talked a lot about Gandalf uh, because he was so upset that, that the stranger from the Rings of Power was going to end up being him. Okay. Um, that didn't bother me that much, but we ended up talking about Quenya and Ishtars and stuff like that. Like, I think we don't see just how powerful Gandalf truly is ever in the books. 
or I'm sorry, in the books or in the movie, in the movies is what I mean. Yeah, because I remember like it was probably Nerd of the Rings or, you know, one of those channels where it's like he was saying how hard they nerfed Gandalf in in the movies because like Gandalf would have easily beat the Witch King in a 1v1. But like in the books, you know, they never like he he the Witch King marches through the front games uh gates of Minas Tirith and Gandalf is waiting for him and then the the horns of Rohan blow and then he rides away um but you know in the extended version like he breaks his staff and like has basically got him pinned down right and even beforehand like it's like oh we've got the white wizard and Gandalf's like eh I don't know and it's like yeah you should I think that's a better canon voice for Gandalf, yeah. honestly. But I'm glad that I'm. I don't think I'm. Ju- I'm realizing that until just now, having that conversation. So I'm so glad that like other people, like the Nerd of the Rings, have pointed that out because, I guess that's right. You kind of could then assume why don't we just have them Deus Ex? Why it's basically like asking why don't the Eagles take Frodo? Yeah. to Mordor. Why didn't Glorfindel go in the Fellowship? And I I don't know how much of this is defined in the Silmarillion or other like appendices or what have you, but I'm. Do you know why the the wizards were sent to Earth and like what their function was? Um, I wrote there's like I I watched another video on him and uh, I I don't know if they say but like he is a Maiar he's right below the the Valinor. Uh, the the Valar. The Valor, yeah. Um, yeah, and like I, they said that it's so funny because like they get to to Middle Earth, but he's not heard from until the Third Age when they get there. So like I don't know what he's doing for however long, but he's just kind of chilling. But then like once Sauron like starts to become like a true threat, then like he Gandalf kind of kicks into action. So I'm looking here on um, fandom.com. And it says, when the Valar decided to send the Istari, also called Wizards, to Middle-earth to counsel and assist all those who oppose the Dark Lord Sauron, uh, Manwe, and Varda, including Aloran, among the five to be sent. Hmm? What? What? Yeah. Yeah, the, the brown wizard. Uh, oh, the, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, and Radagast, Gander. right? Yeah. Um, at first, Aloran was nervous and described himself as too weak and afraid of Sauron. Manwe... Uh, Manwe understood that, and told Oloran that such a, uh, such was a reason why he should go to over- overcome that fear. That's interesting. Furthermore, the One Ring containing much of Sauron's power presumably still exists somewhere. Thus, Manwe insisted that Oloran should go as the third. But Varda convinced him to send Oloran Al- as the second instead. He agreed and prepared for Oloran's departure from the... Di- anyway. Um, so... Arrival in the Middle Earth is is the Third Age. Apparently, is when they came in. I think they like at least the video I watched. Like they arrived earlier, but they weren't heard from until the Third Age. I see. So there's that's why I'm not so against Gandalf kicking around and being you know lost in memory <laughs> in in the Rings of Power. I think it is a way to make people feel connected to the stories. You know, I, I, I just think that like they should have played with it a little more. We're mm-hmm. like, is this guy Saruman or is he Gandalf? And then, you know, once he gave the follow your nose thing, I was like, oh, OK, well, there's no there's no other 
possibility. There's no, there's no other option. Like, he didn't, like, learn that phrase from Saruman or something. <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, I mean, they st- there's still a world where he's not Gandalf, but he... Because we still... We never see the blue wizards. Um, there's another wizard that we never see, because there's five in total, right? We see Radagast. Yes. We know Gandalf. Oh, Sa- uh, Saruman being one of the five, correct? Yes. And then the two blues that we know nothing about. Because there's not a lot written about the realm that they're sent to. So, uh, Daddy Gandalf, what do we love about him the most? Uh, You know, we were looking up quotes um, before this. And just like his love of life, uh, at least in the movies. It's it's tough to say what we love about (laughs) him in the books. Because like in the books, he's just kind of like a causeway for everything to happen like he's like the inciting incident in the hobbit mm-hmm. and then and then pieces out and then pieces out and returns to to stop the battle of the five armies um and then in the lord of the rings like he he's there a lot of the time you know he defeats a balrog and that's you know all fine and good but you know he gives bilbo that sage advice of like you know do not you know, be so quick to deal out death and judgment you know it's pity that could have stayed bilbo's heart you know uh and i can't remember if in the book he says uh i have a feeling golem i'm sure it is he still he still has a part yet to play yeah and so like there there are really good moments of him in the in the book it's just they weren't as highlighted it's like it, the thing that Peter Jackson was so good at, it was taking everything that J.R. Tolkien wrote down and knew what to highlight. Right. Because, like, even, like, Gandalf's death, like, when he falls in the book, they're just like, oh, okay, bye. Okay, um, okay, we got to go to Lauren, bye. And then, like, th- they talk about mourning, but it's it just doesn't feel the same as, you know, like, the the wayfish singing in the background and the slow-mo and Elijah Wood crying and like all these terrible, horrible moments, like you don't get that in the books as like romanticized as it is like in the movie. But we, but we, that's what we have Peter Jackson to thank is his ability to know that we needed that too. Yes, exactly. So my, my question is like, I mean, we saw Alex and I made fun of this to death about the Hobbit animated one. Where it's like I, that has a ring of truth to it. I, this is a ring of truth. Like like he 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 intimates that he knows about the ring, even though Gandalf doesn't know about the ring from the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings until uh, so at some point when uh, like Bilbo tells the truth or what have you. And that's yeah. actually primarily because I believe uh, Bilbo gets the ring and like basically him and Gollum shake hands and leave. Like the, like a lot of the Hobbit was changed in order to make way for the Lord of the Rings. So they, they made it so that um, originally Bilbo didn't tell the truth and then finally comes out and comes clean. Um, I want, because we see, we see Gandalf in true fear, but how prescient is the man? Like how much does he actually, like can he see, he's obviously able to see, I believe um, the light of the elves and the, the the earthly realm is my guess. He must be able to see both, right? I believe so, yes. But I just I just find it interesting. Like, does he not truly know 
the end, what the end is he not Doctor Strange? Is my is what I'm really asking. I don't think he's Doctor Strange, but in the video I watched, he did say that a reason, a big reason, uh, that he sent the dwarves and Bilbo out on the quest was because he was afraid of Sauron and Smaug teaming up. He'd heard of the Necromancer. He he figured, you know, like uh, we talked about this at length, you know, in our Hobbit videos. Uh, was and that not just? Was that Christopher Tolkien filling in the blanks there, or was that Peter Jackson? I thought that was Peter Jackson extrapolating, or maybe I think the appendices something uh, filled that out because that's not context. In... No, it's not. It's, it's it's definitely like in the notes or like you know in I you know see. scribbles and stuff like that. It's definitely not in the Hobbit, but uh, like in the in the appendices or whatever you want to call it. Um, it was in the it was in the Nerd of the Rings video that I watched, and I'm taking that as gospel. I, that's fair, and and just even Tolkien would say like some things are true, some things are lore. He's still trying to figure out what's real and what isn't, right? Yeah, because like, you know, Alex, when we talked about like the White Council, that was when Alex, you know, did his big sigh of like, okay, let me tell you about the White Council. Um, pushed up his invisible glasses. Uh, um, yes. But uh, but there was, uh, they did have a White Council meeting because they'd heard of rumors of like the Necromancer and Dol Guldur. And uh, there was 400 years between the first meeting of the White Council. It was called the Watchful Peace. Mm. And... Gandalf knew of the Necromancer. He suspected it was Sauron, but at the time, and they even hint to this, and this might be, you know, like retrospective of like Saruman's treachery in the end, but they said that that's why, and they kind of hinted that, you know, in the movie a little bit where he's like, I'll deal with him. And you're like, no, right. are you, are you really gonna, <laughs> are you really gonna? Okay, Christopher Lee. Yeah, exactly. Uh, RIP. I know. Um, but, um, like there was, you know, uh, Saruman did do that of like, no, it's he's he's not he's not a he's not Saruman. Like we'll just chill, don't worry about it. We're gonna handle it, and then um, it it was not handled. Uh, they did, you know, exercise him from Dol Guldur into Mordor, but uh, Galadriel wanted Gandalf to lead the White Council, but since he didn't have a home, and this is why he's called the Grey Pilgrim because he didn't have an Isengard. Oh. He didn't have, you know, a Lorien or something like that. He didn't have a base of operations um, that he wasn't given kind of like the same respect or title because he just liked to wander around. And he liked to sample sample the Middle Earth and, you know, truly live amongst the people. I didn't think about that, but of course he doesn't have a home. He's like the ultimate vagabond, thus being like known as several different names like Mithrandir and Gandalf is like, you know, cause he's people are like who, Gandalf who? Exactly. <laughs> you know? That is interesting. That is a taxing life in and of itself. Yeah. Like I, I, I do wonder what that's like of like never truly being at a home or like, you know, just like, Oh yeah, like I'm sure. And you know, maybe he's not as welcome because like, you know, he, uh, what, uh, what does uh, Thranduil say? He's like, oh, he's like, <laughs> he's got that Lee pace the way he says it. It's like, oh, you just must not be uh, in tune with wizards. They're like rolling thunder on a white cloud, uh, <laughs> crashing hard. But it's like whatever, whatever beautifulness I get lost in his eyes whenever he talks. Oh, uh, that so Lee pretty. pace does. But like, it, it is a little bit true where you know, 
he might not be as welcome as he'd want to be because he might come with tidings and whether they're true or not, you know, uh, kind of like a don't look up situation of like, oh, we just don't want to hear that right now. We're kind of good. Right. Like we're, more we're, crossover, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe we don't we want to keep delving into Moria or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so just stuff like that, where it's got to be it's got to be tough Was where it- you're. Denethor, you're known everywhere, it? but you're not welcome everywhere. Right. Or, like, because, like, everywhere he has, like, one person that gets it. Like, because I think yeah. even Faramir gets it, right? Like, yes. he's like, oh, shit. Oh, it's, oh crap. Uh, Gandalf's here or whatever. But is it Denethor who says, like, he only comes when there's bad news to be? Or, or like, he's that's said of him often is he he is a tighter. He brings, like, ill tidings. I think Wormtongue that says that because he calls him Gandalf Stormcrow. Oh, sure. That as well. I mean, but that's just it, is Gandalf always arrives when he's needed, which does lend itself to my initial thought. Like, does he know exactly what the heck he's doing? But at the same time, he doesn't. (laughs) Like, He really doesn't. It's a very confusing character who I honestly don't think we, even the, the, the text has begun to scratch the surface of what Gandalf is and what he's capable of no and and that's the thing is i really would love i'm curious to see what they do with him in rings of power (coughs) with how they like develop his powers how he like becomes like you know now he's like speaking you know because he didn't speak for basically the entire first season correct so like is he gonna be warm? Is he gonna be frumpy? Is he gonna be an old man? Like, what are they gonna What are they gonna do with him? And I'm really curious to see what they do. Well, I'm I'm doubly curious because he's with a young woman, and so they really have to be careful what kind of uh, coming of age he has. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm not saying like it, it's ju- it was just risky from the beginning to have uh, like a young kid like take on this man like under her wing. And then for him to have turned into Sauron would have been a huge betrayal. I, I I don't know how to say it without saying it, but I'm not saying what people might think I'm exactly saying. But 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 like any other circumstance where an old man is traveling with a young woman, I'd be very uncomfortable. Because it's Gandalf, it's fine, but it's still a very uh, unequal dynamic is my yeah. point. So I'm curious what all kind of trouble they can get into. And also Gandalf, this is, again, sidestepping from that conversation, has never fallen in love, I don't believe. I don't believe he has, you know, as hard as uh, Peter Jackson tried to set him up with Galadriel in the Hobbit trilogy. God. And, you know, when we kind of, like, joined that discourse. Yeah, you really blocked that out when I brought it up to begin with until you watched it. I, I need, well, it was impossible to not see it until, like, I, it just doesn't ring as a, a, a potential, even. But, like, you know, I don't understand how people could be so upset with the, with the Galadriel, Halbrand, just even hinted at romance, and not be mortally offended by Gandalf and Galadriel basically doing all but eloping yeah, <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the movies. It's, um, it's really weird and uncomfortable. It really, it was, it was just so strange, just like out of nowhere. There's a way Co- to show respect for a woman that isn't touching your beard and, and like holding hands. There's like, in the same way that we talked about like last week, this, these movies did a lot for platonic male love 
this could have done a lot for men just respecting a woman for you know who she is rather than being attracted to her yeah i do think the lord of the rings does that better like you know with aragorn and eowyn and yes. you know yes. but like there's there's like two female characters in the hobbit trilogy and they're both just like oh you're the most gorgeous being on the planet i love you <laughs> yes for no one, other reason 100 percent um remind me does evangeline lily's character die she doesn't right she lives she does live but we'll just never see her again she has every right to be involved in the lord of the rings based off the importance <laughs> that we saw her have but then she's just gone yeah, um, I do wonder if we're, if we're going to get, like, a different Legolas or something like that. I don't know, like, because isn't Legolas, like, 1,100 years old in the in the movies? He's all baby, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just it, though. The If you played D&D or done any deep dive into Lord of the Rings, elves be old and adolescent for a long time, too, because uh, uh, Legolas was still pretty young for all intents and purposes. That's what I'm wondering is like how like, you know, we're watching, you know, Mandalorian and stuff like that. And Baby Yoda, they say, I think they say he's like 50 at the beginning. Right, right. And then he's like a baby where he can't talk. He can't communicate. Like he, he's just starting to get like control of his powers and stuff. But just like it really puts in perspective when Yoda dies, he's like over 900. It's like, OK, did you die when you're like 30 in human years then? <laughs> like. What does that mean? Like being 900 as a Yoda species? Like what? what how does he... that translate? Because they used to be like, oh my gosh, you live for so long. It's like, yeah, but were you like an adult for like a hundred of those years? Like what's going on here? And it's confusing with the hobbits too, because at 50, they're just about to be adults. Just yeah. about. Because Pippin is 40 something and a child, <laughs> adolescent. Um how frustrating would that be? Like, I guess you wouldn't know because, like, you know, that's, like, your species. But can you imagine being an at, like, can you imagine going through your teen years for, like, 20 years? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what, though? I wonder if you would regret what you didn't do in your 20s less if, you, if they lasted for a, a half a decade. <laughs> I mean, I don't think hobbits have much regret because, like, their lives are just, like, they're just there. That's a, that's an element of it, too. Uh, one of my, one of the things I'm glad for that our generation was kind of the beneficiary of was we, we kind of still got it, like, get out of college and got to figure out what to do. And even if that was what was being told to us, we didn't really have the means to do that. So a lot of our lives started taking off at around 30 so now when I do talk to anybody younger, I'm like, just don't do anything. Figure it out. Like, don't yeah. have to have the answer. Because there is something nice about that elongated adolescence that you're not going to get back again. Oh, yeah. I'm so, like, I used to work at the at a hotel. And we get a lot of, uh, they're called Kentucky tours. And be, like, a lot of Australians coming in. And they, they just go on vacation for, like, a month. And like, right. and they just go see America and like they, they usually either started or ended in LA. And if they're starting, then they'd be like, you know, wild and everything. And then like, you know, if they're ending, they'd like tell me about, you know, New York and Vegas and all these places that like I've barely gone to and I live here. And it's just like, they really do like 
live to the fullest in a lot of ways that like Americans don't where it's like you go to high school, you go straight into college, you do your internships. And then after that, you get a job and then you work and then uh, hopefully you work enough and uh, you keep working and then you retire and then you die. And then you die. Yeah, we got it. We got really we got bought and sold into this. Wait, what if we're the orcs? What if America is the orcs? Oh, God, yes. Right? That wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Do you see what's going on with the the, <laughs> the strike right now? It's insane. I don't even know. So, like, just a little insider baseball. We don't know what we could do at the creation entertainment um, convention that's for Star Trek in August. That, like, we had some pretty cool plans. And now, like, find, finding the, the balance between what we can talk about, will they even come, like, artists or not. Even as even being SAG myself, there's certain things I can't talk about or is considered crossing the line. Yeah. I don't think any actors or artists can show up. So they are working out – they're carving out some agreements right now. Okay. Um, but it makes sense why, like, Comic-Con – Early before the strikes, we're like, oh, yeah, Netflix is not going to be there. Marvel is not going to be there. No studios are there because they knew. And yeah, they, they knew. And apparently they pushed back the negotiating date so that they can get in the last push for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. Didn't like the didn't like the, the stars of like uh, Oppenheimer like walk out after like right before the movie played or something like that. Yeah, like, because that's when they approved the strike finally. But they yeah. got they uh, they extended the deadline one extra week in order just to get that extra push. But the Internet's already doing enough for Barbie and Oppenheimer. I'm actually going to be on an episode of Troubled Waters coming up here shortly. Uh, where Yeah, where I'm my uh, buzzing word is Oppenheimer. And uh, Dan McCoy from the Flop House, his buzzing word is Barbie. So we're doing all themed of that kind of stuff. So it was fun. I am like, I am so ready for those movies to be out, and we can stop with the Barbenheimer stuff. Like, I'm, I'm equally excited that two, you know, filmmakers that can are there are very few filmmakers nowadays that get butts in seats because of who they are. Greta Gerwig is one of them, and Christopher Nolan definitely is one of them as well. Right. Um, and like, that's great that, you know, good old fashioned showdown between two movies that couldn't be more opposite, uh, but have people, people that, you know, in our business and then outside of our business are like super excited for and like, oh, we're going to do a double feature. We're going to go see, by the way, I said this in a TikTok. If you do a double feature and Oppenheimer is your second one, you are are on a watch list. And <laughs> I, I'm not a big uh, fan of the Patriot Act, but that's where <laughs> I am. If you decide to start your day with Barbie, have a big break, you know, go have brunch, mimosas, whatever, talk about Barbie, and then you willingly walk into Oppenheimer and decide to end your day with the <laughs> nuclear arms race and Christopher Nolan and like the like basically the rest of our lives having a metaphorical gun and a literal gun pointed at our head for the rest of our lifetime and that's how you decide to end your Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're a psycho. Ben, we're just realists. Okay? No. No. I'm just, I'm no. Just kidding. How about this? I, I'm more on the tip, don't watch them both in the same day. Just, like, don't do that. Like, I understand I, the novelty of it. Honestly, I'm okay with a double feature because I feel like you almost kind of am going to need Barbie after you watch Oppenheimer. 
Like you're gonna go, you know, watch Oppenheimer. I'm gonna walk across to the yard house at the AMC Burbank, get right. like a whiskey neat, and I hate whiskey, and I'm gonna shoot it, and I'm gonna be like, all right, let's go see Barbie, and then I'm gonna walk out. It's gonna be great. And you're gonna, it's gonna lift you up. It's gonna right. give you. I got it. Now, one question, and we'll get back to Gandaddy Gandalf. Are would people care about Oppenheimer if it didn't get shipped with Barbie? People wouldn't care about Oppenheimer if Christopher Nolan wasn't directing it. I understand. Okay. Because... Like, I, I remember watching a movie. I think it was called The Manhattan Project in high school. And it was sure, fine. Sure, And it was about, you know, the creation of the nuclear bomb. And it was educational and stuff like that. And it was, you know, dramatized to a certain extent. But no. Uh, this, is, this is why this is the power of Christopher Nolan. And... I don't think he's the greatest filmmaker alive. I think he's very, very good. And like every director, he has his flaws. But even, you know, like if Steven Spielberg or you see that like Martin Scorsese has to like go to Apple to like, you know, make Killers of the Flower Moon that's coming out. And that trailer looks great. But Christopher Nolan has the juice right now, man, where he can just get what he wants uh, made. And that's great. It, it really is. Like the filmmakers should have that power and like you know who was it like francis ford coppola you know for his megalopolis movie which you know whatever that's gonna be <laughs> like oh, it's over budget and overblown and i'm excited like i still haven't seen babylon i need to watch it but the fact that it made no money it cost the studios 150 million dollars and it's Jeez. insane i love it i love it i'd rather have um that were like a, a filmmaker's dream of like this is what i want it's gonna cost 100 million dollars is it gonna make money who knows I'd rather have that, and this isn't like a, a dig at Indiana Jones, but the fact that Indiana Jones costs $330 million is bonkers to me. It's bonkers, insane, Woody the Woodpecker, Roger Rabbit crazy to me. <laughs> Do, that budget, though, had to be spent majority on aging. Yeah, on the de-aging technology, it for sure. Because be. that, that scene is very long. The opening scene is like 20 minutes long. But it's just like... And is it done well? It's like, it's... Or is it Uncanny Valley? It's good as it's going to get for now. But it's right. just like, maybe in, with a different actor, it'd be better. But like, with Harrison Ford, who's known for like, you know, his grunts and his expressions and like his, uh, his grimaces. There are times where it's like, oh, oh yeah, you're not... You're not 40. You're 80. And you yes. sound 80. Like yes. the, the He's tired in a way that... <laughs> yeah, he gives a... The, there's there's plenty of great stuff in, in Indiana Jones. I found it very enjoyable. Um, but the the de-aging, like, works as well as it can. But it's the technology's just not... It's definitely better than, like, you know, what they did, like, in Mando or whatever. I actually think they're doing... It's pretty good, but they also use it in p in bits and pieces in Secret Invasion. Um, it looks pretty darn good because Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson actually is still the same. He feels very spry in his reactions still, so he doesn't have to do much to look younger in 93 when they do flashbacks. Um, another time we'll talk more about that probably on this podcast because we love talking about things that have nothing to do with this show. I mean, everything to do, but not... Um, so let's look. So one of the things that's in, I'm just trying to think about, like there's so much to talk about with Gandalf. Why do you think he liked the hobbits so much? I think like he, he found them so surprising with like, there's like, you know, at, at face value, they are like 
yeah, they're kind of lazy. They like to farm. They like to smoke weed. They like to drink. And they're, you know, just, they're just contempt in life. And then, you know, when you put them in these situations that they need to rise to the occasion, they do. And a lot of people, a lot of like people can't say that. And, and so it's just like you more than meets the eye is like the perfect description for, you know, like what he says, like, oh, you could learn, uh, like when he packs up Frodo and he's looking at him, he's like, oh, you could learn everything you need to know about a Hobbit in a week, but after a hundred years, they could still surprise you. And that's so like, that's the perfect description of them where it's like, yeah, they, they seem like simple, easygoing folks, but. If they need to to invent the game of golf, if they need to <laughs> ride off into battle, if they need to jump into a caravan full of strangers to beat a dragon or de single-handedly deliver the most powerful weapon in the history of Middle-earth against its worst foe, then they'll do it. So that made me ask the question, the internet the question, which is answered by Cora. So that leaves, you know you wanting more but sometimes people are actually correct on there but my question was um who created the hobbits because you had an uh a maya create the dwarves and also create the elves and i forgot how the men were created but no vala created the hobbits since they were merely an evolutionary offshoot of the race of men oh the race of men was created by eru iluvatar without the help of uh from the Valar, I see. Interesting. And again, uh, Thomas Snurdly could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm going to trust Thomas Snurdly. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Snurdly. Um, there's a new update for those that play Minecraft. Well, we know we know now that uh, Jessica was a bully in high school. <laughs> snurdly. Hey, Snurdly. <laughs> it's Where's okay. my I... lunch money, Snurdly? <laughs> no, try being one of three Jessicas. And because I was the smartest of the three... I, uh, the other Jessica came up to me who had every right to be made fun of because her last name was Grossman. She came up and named me like Frank or Esther. She goes, I, I hate it when the teacher picks on you and not me and says my name, but it's not me. So we're going to rename you Esther. So oh, I wow. got a crash course in bullying. Yeah. I might've dabbled in it a little bit, man, but I've learned the errors of this violent cycle. Hey, Esther. Ugh. We're oh. Snurdly. I didn't need to take some anger out on him. <laughs> snurdly. Who's Get say, over here, Snurdly. Say aunt. Say aunt. <laughs> uh, no, so I guess the prologue to The Lord of the Rings uh, concerning Hobbits, uh, which is purports to be taken from the Red Book of Westmarch. Um, it is plain indeed that in spite of later estrangements, Hobbits are relatives of ours, far nearer to us than elves, or even than dwarves. Of old, they spoke the languages of men after their own fashion, and liked and disliked much the same things as men did. But what exactly our relationship is can no longer be discovered. So something about him, so, something about them delighted them. But this is actually kind of what I like about the fact that they're distant relatives of men, is that there's a distaste for men to some extent by other uh, races in the Lord of the Rings because of, the, you know, their length of life. So it makes them, um, they think they don't appreciate the world the same way or they take things for granted or, you know, they stay adolescent for a long time um, or they couldn't be as trusted, I think. I feel like that that's kind of the implication of men. Um, but 
it's the men that need to take over the world and we need to see them rise to the occasion and we need to realize, oh, there are Aragorns or there are Boromirs or there are Faramirs. So in a sense, watching the morals of men ultimately succeed, it makes sense why the, the hobbits have a strong moral code as well, I think. They Does do. that make sense? And that, it, it, it makes absolute sense. And I love, like, the strong moral code is, like, such a good way to put it. Um, you know, besides the sex full bagginses, but, you know. <laughs> well, we, hey, we can all be sullied and victims of other gods, you know? We, we all, sometimes, you just want to steal that spoon. Right? I have God, this. Labelia. I know, she's the worst. Or are, do we all have a little labelia inside of us? <laughs> just waiting to come out. I get a little drunk and I steal things. I just do. And it's, oh wow! I just a little little things. Like one example is I was actually um, at a bar for a nerdist party with um, Emma Fife. They don't know this story, but Emma Fife and uh, Michelle Win Bradley, and I think Marquia McCarty, McCarty was with us too. And we were like, I was just the right kind of drunk. And as I'm walking out on the bar. A pair of scissors are right there that no one saw. A pair of scissors? (laughs) And I picked them up. Guess guess what? No one caught me. (laughs) Because I could. And so that's the kind of thievery. I'm not going to go, you know, parading around San Diego with scissors and be like, I got scissors and start running. I'm just going to see if I can steal them and get caught. And I did. And I still use those scissors today. Oh, my God. But you know someone got in trouble and was like, where are the... Ashley, where are the scissors? <laughs> Some poor intern got fired from Nerdist because of your kleptomania. No, yeah, no, I just, you know, I just like mementos, and I got a practical memento out of that evening. So but I'm just you're at Comic-Con. Of all the things, you got the Nerdist scissors? Because it was dangerous, and I, 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 it was right there. And I have this thing that happens... And I think it's brought on by, um, like, festival mania, like going to Coachella. Every time I'm, like, walking in areas of Coachella when I used to go, I'll never go again. I'm like, oh, I could see how someone could break in there. Oh, there's no guard there. Someone should be there. Like, I could find, like, the chinks in the armor. So I feel like that's just kind of gets heightened. It's a second second. It's like a sixth sense that that gets heightened in me. You're wild. I know. That's wild. I know. I'm sorry. Um, So... Listen, basically, this has just been like a let's talk about Gandalf and other things. Wait, Gandalf Harm Oppenheimer Barbie? Barb? Barb? Oh, oh. (laughs) thank God there's a writer strike. Jessica's got some major block right now. (laughs) Hold on. Barbie Gandalfheimer. Oh, my Lord. That's the episode name, my friend. It's not. It's really Barbie not. Barbie Gandalfheimer. You just said two of the words, and they just put a Heimer at the end of it. Like, oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, Ga- Gandyheimer. Garbyheimer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap up our thoughts about Gandalf. What's something that if you, like... When you bring this to your future offspring, you're like, I can't wait for you to read this. What do you hope they get the impression of Gandalf is right away? Um, He's an old crotchety man, but like he does really care about a lot of beings that like seemingly slip through the cracks of Middle Earth and 
don't get, uh, you know, if you're not an elf or a mighty warrior man, like people just seem to kind of overlook you in Middle Earth. And Gandalf really takes the time to like find these diamonds in the rough. And that, that saying always reminds me of Aladdin because I think Fair. that's like the first time I heard that saying. And um, they like repeat it five times. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, what does that mean? Arabian Nights. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, he he does find like these these special beings that like come from unlikely places uh, that are mostly overlooked in other places of the world, and it's he's got a he's got a gift for it. Now, does he always have like a well thought out plan after what happens when he finds those people? No, he does not. He does but, not. No. But that's okay. You know, you, you you live and learn. That's what we're here to do is live and learn. If Gandalf was alive today, he'd be able to see the sushi cat. And if you don't know what the sushi cat is, it's because you haven't been able to look in the hidden places where sushi cat is. Because we're so distracted by today's world. And sushi cat's always been there. You just haven't noticed it. But Gandalf would have. And I'm not going to tell you what sushi cat is. You have to look it up for yourself. Okay, I don't know what sushi cat <laughs> is either. So that's what I'm saying. You gotta. It's worth it. It is. Uh, look up sushi cat video, and you'll be well on your way. And what, what's your what's your final impression of Gandalf? Because I remember when we were talking about the Hobbit, like you and Alex are very into the book version of him more than like the the media's portrayal of him. Yeah, it it is. It, it's been an interesting. Um, reapproach to the the work and then so like by doing this podcast I've had a great excuse to reread everything I've had a great excuse to rewatch everything and ultimately I'm never gonna uh downplay my love for Ian McKellen as Gandalf that's my Gandalf for sure I do think they actually did a really good casting for him in Rings of Power, I think they managed to do a good job with a guy who's playing his own version of him, but still rings of, of him visually in some ways. Um, but I think the long and short of it is, is you kind of do need someone in your life that's a conduit. And um, I've been very lucky to meet a couple people. It's a very special trait that not that one in a million truly um, have where they're capable people. They're like a, a good conduit would be like someone who's a great writer and a great actor. And because they're capable of doing that, they know how to plug in a, that writer and actor from different worlds and go, I think you two are going to work together. Janelle is kind of a conduit, actually. Our mutual friend, Janelle Santa Cruz, she knew Ben and I would be friends early on before Ben and I had the opportunity to meet. She knew that they were, like we would have hit it off. And so she knew to like, plug in this relationship and it, be and it did become that. Janelle also knows when things don't work. So I'm the beneficiary of a couple conduits in my life for people who believed in me, saw what I was capable of doing because they were capable of it themselves, but also knew when a job wasn't for them or that someone needed to accomplish something in order to come into um, their own. We don't know this about Frodo in the original, you know, in the beginning of the books, but, and he doesn't know this about himself. He's capable of such greatness. And, and, and Gandalf sees it, and Gandalf sees it in Bilbo too, and he sees it in Aragorn, and he note. So he he's the conduit to the entire party, and I don't think you have a story without him, honestly. I completely agree with that. I like, I'd add like maybe he's like the catalyst as well as the conduit, but like 
he is like this bridge of between Aragorn and Boromir and Legolas and Gimli. Like the story, I don't think you know these these group of people like function as well as they do for as long as they are together without him. <gasps> is he like the Agent Coulson? Is he like? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, so good. Man. Boom. We did it. We did it. End of podcast. You can uh, become a patron and uh, join us on this journey, especially as we're increasing, working on increasing the value of what it means to become a patron. You can help us by being an early subscriber to that uh, shift by going to patreon.com forward slash pod of the rings. You can also follow us on Instagram. Oh, no, Twitter at pod of the rings. Instagram is the full title uh, podcast of the rings. Ben is at the Ben Goddard on Twitter. Yes. Or uh, and uh, you have also a Patreon that is that the same handle there? Uh, no, uh, okay. I'm shutting down my Patreon. Okay, bye bye Patreon. Oh, bye. So that means if you want special access to Ben Goddard, join our Patreon. Absolutely. For the Rings. There we go. And uh, like I said, you can check out that Troubled Waters episode, uh, the Barbie Oppenheimer episode. It's real fun. Um, a friend of mine, Riley Silverman, who's I think a mutual of ours. Uh, rights for that show and i've been on it twice now thanks to her um or you can give it listen to i don't know that there's a lot of crossover for the boomer generation on this uh podcast but if you're interested in the two other shows that i produce there's silver sensational for the sensational silver out there or no two gays about it uh for the the gay man over 50 who feels underrepresented in today's media this is the place for you to find your community mm. uh i'm not on those shows i'm producing them because i don't fit in that generation whatsoever <laughs> but i'm happy to give them a platform uh and until then we're going to be back next week it's time uh we won't have an early release next week but we will have an episode and if it's not on tuesday then it definitely will be on wednesday i'll be out of town this weekend to do an improv festival. So that's going to put Ooh, a little fun. bit of a yeah wrench in our schedule. But by September, we'll be well on our way to like new Patreon perks and stuff like that. Oh, but, yeah. But Ben, what do you, who do you want to talk about next week? Oh, who do I want to talk about next week? Do we, so we've done Legolas. Have we done Gimli yet? Yes, we did Gimli. We did, we did Daddy Gimli. Gimli. We did uh -huh. Legolas. We've done Boromir. We've done Faramir. We've done Gandalf. We've done Pippin. We've done Merry. Ooh, I have a pitch. Throw it down the pipe. Elrond? Is it too soon? Is it not interesting? I'd say, I was going to say either, like, we got we to gotta get to the holy trinity of Aragorn, Frodo, and Sam eventually. <sighs> I'm scared. I'm scared. Not That's a lot. They do deserve we, so much attention. Do we want to save those with, with Alex? Well, I think I don't want to promise that Alex can do it, but if he can... I know Alex has to do Sam. Alex has to do Sam. I'm fine with that. Let's do Frodo next week then. I'm down for that. I think that's Because sounds I feel right. like Frodo's such a good character that, you know, like Sam gets a lot of the glory of, you know, because of his speeches and like his his stout heartedness, but we need to we need to give Frodo some love next week. So we're gonna do Frodo. Yeah, I have a lot of um, fun Frodo opinions since doing the read uh, as well with Alex most recently. Shout out real quick to our patron, Arsenal Roy 2K, a.k.a. Jesse Glassby, who did the Scott and Jess in the Morning News with me I this saw past that. Friday. He was excellent. He puts all the news stories for us together, so I've called him our honorary producer because technically he makes that show happen nice. at this point. So we weren't able to have Scott, but instead we had Jesse, and he was wonderful. And he's a patron of this show. You two can get shout out if you want to, by being a patron. But 
Anyway, until next time, when we talk about Frodo, Ben? May our roads cross each other's Uh-oh. paths over the hill and under the hill. Like a conduit. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>